actually spent time at baseline and you haven't actually, you know, like worked out what a healthy relationship to food is and how to fuel and even just getting my clients to change from, I guess, seeing food as dieting versus seeing food as performance of like wanting to, to and such so much a healthier relationship from like restriction and minimization to fueling like mm. getting pbs and adding load each week and a progressive overload and even if they're looking at like having so much more time by reducing their training volume but increasing their intensity they can focus on their career progressions or their educational pursuits or one of my clients is learning french like and traveling so it's just getting that f- little switch to flip in their brain of being like okay food doesn't have to control me I don't have to be in the gym all the time I have so much extra time to be able to pursue other aspects of life I don't have to feel chained to the gym or chained to a diet or an exercise regime um, and just allowing that freedom that comes with it to be able to pursue other aspects of their life yeah it's like creating more space for other yeah. things to come in because like if you're if your energy is and it's not even just time it's also energy if your energy is being taken up so much by something you're so fixated on something so fixated on like what you're reading and like what your training is going to be and all this kind of stuff it doesn't allow that space Mm. for other things in your life as well and then it consumes every other aspect of your life your relationships your career your things like that so it's it's really like protecting your energy Mm -hmm. and protecting you know making things more efficient for like you know just basically more efficient and even from a marketing perspective what they see on instagram as being what creates the ideal body is like everything that's promoted is like oh my gosh she's in the gym every day she must be because that's how she's got that physique or her Mm. training volume is so high and every ebook you see is high training volume Mm. Uh, which i do understand strength training is like you need to have like neurological preparation for um and it's not necessarily in quotation marks, safe if you don't know how to lift properly. Um, but because it's easy to do higher rep programs with maybe more volume overall, mm. it's sold a lot more. So what they're seeing from yeah. a social media standpoint is this girl is always dieting or her day on a plate is 1,500 calories and her training looks like she's doing core and she's doing all these extra fancy exercises. But I guess the thing to remember is the people they're following love the gym. And if anything, they're probably addicted to it. They can't stay away. But as far mm. as it being training smarter, not harder, and yeah. being able to balance life where your career and your sponsorship isn't dependent on Mm. like yeah like the people especially seeing. if you yeah if you are an online coach like or you're a hybrid coach or you're a face-to-face per, like face-to-face coach it's like you have the time mm. to spend in the gym because your whole life is literally mm-hmm. centered around health and fitness or worse you're like an influencer and you are sponsored to do that like yeah. you get paid to do that the general population client does not have as much time in the day yeah. or financial means to actually be able to do that so it's be able to relate i guess what is needed to be done mm. to not feel as though what they're about to do from a lifestyle perspective is going to take everything up that they can't pursue things or they're going to maybe do worse in uni or or worse in their career because they feel as though they're having to fulfill an identity which isn't necessarily conducive to growth. Mm. Um, It's probably more damaging um, by seeing it as as a need to versus want to. Um, Yeah, like it just doesn't, 
I think it's dispelling that you don't need to be in the gym every single day and you don't need to eat in a calorie deficit at all times um, mm. and you don't need any supplements. Like honestly, like the amount, unless I'm looking at someone's specific blood work, I'm not going to give you a supplement and I'm, I'm definitely not going to give you a pre-workout because your sleep routine is most likely off. Oh my God. Yeah, it's just a band-aid on that. Um, but yeah, I guess just dispelling the bullshit with that and getting them to go from like you cannot continually push and you'll probably speak more on this from like a strength periodization standpoint you cannot stay in strength endurance you cannot just stay in hypertrophy you there is a massive spectrum and coming out of a dieting phase and pushing more of a strength and power or speed focus is so powerful from a nervous system standpoint and getting them to handle stress Mm. or perceived stress which will carry over into their work life into like even just their emotional health um, and getting them to realize that it's okay to wake up not hungry and it's okay to go to the gym and feel like you have energy yeah. and not flogging yourself or that you're getting the lactic acid burn and push feeling empowered from a strength standpoint versus feeling flogged from a volume hypertrophy place, which you can't do year round. Well, you can do, but you're not going to get the same results as if you had a proper strength periodization and proper nutritional periodization as well yeah I think that you like I get it like where you start off with higher reps lower load you know when you're first starting out of the gym more externally stabilized machines and things like that but having that strength progression and being able to like coordinate your muscles to perform those strength lifts if you do that perfectly you can still get muscle growth like what do you think your body needs to be able to adapt to that stimulus and what it, what it's going to do it's going to lay down more muscle fibers mm-hmm. so if you fail in a good position when you're doing your strength lifts like one to five reps you can definitely build muscle whereas like there's this whole idea of no like one to five reps is strength training and like eight to twelve is hypertrophy like you can build strength doing a hypertrophy training like the more you the more hypertrophy muscle fibers you build the greater propensity you have to Mm. express that strength right more muscle fibers more strength but then also training that neurological adaptation like you said before so let's get specific (laughs) how many days do you reckon like clients need to be spending in the gym so I have kind of a broad mix I actually have clients who only do three days a week I have some who do two especially if they are endurance and they're doing say uh, footy on the weekend or they're doing long distance running like I don't I need a minimum effective dose I don't want what I'm pushing from a training perspective to overshadow or diminish the returns they're getting from their actual sport specific so I have um, wakeboarding clients endurance athletes football athletes stuff like that too so I'm looking at what's going to optimize their performance in what they want most versus be a rate limiting factor in I guess fatigue or nervous system fatigue could be physical or physiological kind of fatigue as well I like I want that to work best so I have clients doing some two days a week some doing three most to be completely honest if they're gen pop and they're just they've done their dieting phase they've done uh, reverse dieting or they've peaked their physique and we've kind of got back to baseline they're doing four days a week Mm. I don't need them doing five or six or anything like that like I need them managing their life and especially managing their nutrition more than I need them to be in the gym compensating for what they believe they ate or feeling as though they have to be because X person on Instagram is five days or six days a week. I honestly like four. Four works well. I love four days. Like, and for myself as well, like I know that four days is enough. Like 
it's not about how much you do because you don't build strength and you don't improve while you're actually training. It's when you recover. Mm. And so you could be working at such a high level, like every single session, five, six days a week in the gym, but you're not recovering. So you're not getting any better. Mm. Your performance might actually decrease. So I love, yeah, like two days a week. I love, especially for newbies, right? Newbie yeah. gains. That's all they really need. Two full body days hit everything you know three to four is like perfect for most people and it's Mm going to be enough to be able to recover and to get better and there is also a relationship between so your energy expenditure and your need or your cravings and stuff like that too like we know obviously when you deplete massive amounts of glycogen if you're doing HIIT training or just high volume your cravings or your need for carbohydrates is always going to increase. But Mm. there is a point where exercise can be somewhat of an appetite suppressant. But when you actually do more, you actually increase your hunger. So for people, especially as I find that they have a history of uh, binging, for example, overtraining that person and putting them in a position where they're going to want to eat more and Mm. get more anxious about the food they're going to want to eat more because they've Mm. you know depleted a lot of their glycogen and their like their body needs refueling is actually going to be counterproductive to the process of them learning a healthy relationship with food and exercise so uh, I think there's definitely like a fine line between exercising enough to get a response from like physically like uh, aesthetically strength-wise and everything neurologically as well and then fueling adequately without feeling like you flogged yourself you need to over consume yeah um so yeah i think that balance has not really been talked about a lot like uh it's like i'll go to the gym because i want to distract myself and i'm hungry that's probably going to make you hungrier yeah um which isn't going to help yeah it's like what you're focusing on because you know when you're doing like something like a hit exercise yes in that session you might burn more calories than you do actually doing a strength training session but we have that that post exercise oxygen consumption for a longer period of time Mm -hmm. when we're strength training so it's like over a period of 24 hours let's say probably works out to be pretty similar which there's actually a discrepancy between males and females as well so females actually have a lower amount of like epoch as well so we whilst men might continue to burn for a lot longer women probably because they have more muscle mass they have more muscle mass but um it's also like your estrogen amount too right so the increase in metabolic rate or fat burning for lack of a better word for men lasts so much longer than women who might get back to their desk in an hour and be back to normal women when we're training we're more fat burners Mm. men when they're training they're more carbohydrate burners burners, and then it kind of flips so we men have more fat burning uh at rest (laughs) at rest and i'm like well that's not fair um and obviously just changing like we are actually females are more catabolic in our luteal phase as well so i'm like well that doesn't really work why would i want to compound high training amounts in a luteal phase where we're already quite catabolic or progesterone is quite catabolic in nature in our luteal phase so I'm just going to flog, like add a little bit more work in the luteal phase. Mm. That doesn't really work. And they've done studies where the bulk amount of training is done in the follicular phase where there's estrogen for recoverability, muscle retention, et cetera. And that has a, the, a better response than someone who's training essentially month round, um, especially pre-menses where we're a little bit more prone to injury and uh, electrolyte balance is a little bit off as well. So, um, yeah, I think... I totally forget my point there, but we're talking about, um, I guess, that minimal effective dose and 
understanding your body and especially when it comes to something like premenses you don't need to necessarily train and looking at I guess the bigger dominoes of your nutritional compliance and your recovery mm. uh, if you can't recover from what you're doing especially premenses where you're already in a suboptimal kind of state for building muscle mass and um, even for burning body fat like yeah. don't do it yeah don't do it girl it's fine just do your steps now your nutrition and listen to I guess what your body is telling you to Exactly, because like women are, you know, we have a different we have a different cycle. Like we have a different timeline, and it's all from an evolutionary perspective as well. And you know, we need to hold on to more fat stores because we need to have enough body fat to be able to have a healthy cycle, mm. to be able to ovulate, to be able to reproduce. And so we are different. And I think it's so interesting the like the studies that are coming out. Mm. It is so interesting, like more of the research is coming out. It's definitely like an area that I want to go back into is like research because it is emerging and for the longest time, most of these studies have been done on men. Yeah, and even like relationships between, I guess, cortisol and abdominal fat. Yeah, in men, maybe not. But in women, yeah, it does. So as far as, I guess, our, our oh, HPA access these, being these, a little bit more these, sensitive. <laughs> I'm just thinking of these online trainers who just take the shit out of like, it's not cortisol, like you can't like... Yeah, not directly, but inadvertently, if you have like, yes, it is going to affect your HPA access. And yes, women with lower sex hormone amounts or uh, say, for example, with, with amenorrhea, they have a blood screening or sex hormone amount similar to perimenopause or menopause right oh, sorry postmenopause so if someone has and we know that in menopausal women we do get that abdominal kind of body fat and like more androgen type body fat distribution so if you're getting someone who is overtraining whether on OCP or not and it's masking potentially amenorrhea you are going to have a body fat distribution slightly more androgen based and less for lack of a better, gynoid or female based yeah um even say, for example, I have a, a couple of clients who work on mine sites. So their hours are really quite long and it is mm -hmm. a proven carcinogenic being such shift work hours. Mm -hmm. And they're so stressed about getting their workouts in. But I find that if I scale their workouts to be uh, when they're home or if they're, say, um, in the Navy, they have weekends off. So they're going to train on weekends. But I'm not training them during the week where they get barely any sleep yeah. they can only get their steps in and also they're already doing laborious work they're already getting that whatever 20 percent dose for muscle maintenance so i'm not going to train them during the week i'm going to train them on a weekend when i know they've had an eight hour sleep yeah. or eight to ten hour sleep if they're say a little bit sleep deprived during the week um they're going to perform better they're yeah. going to get a healthier relationship to exercise knowing they did well and they weren't like dragging their ass through the session um and again from a um, abdominal fat region like every single person I know who is female and has some kind of HPA dysfunction or high stress they are going to carry more in the abdominal region so why would I push the same thing which I know is going to result in more of what they don't want like they want their belly fat I guess a little bit lower and especially visceral fat from a health status yeah. Um, so yeah I guess it's just aligning what I see from a blood marker standpoint, what I see from time with them in what's going to work best. And for most women, if you're either shift working or low on time, you want minimal effective stress, which includes exercise. Mm. Um, and you want to work on your stress management and your nutrition more so. Yeah, because one thing that's huge, like we're seeing, like I'm definitely seeing, maybe it's not like as obvious for a lot of people, but I follow 
a lot of people who have been you know dieting for long periods and like the whole backstory of like now they're having issues getting pregnant Mm -hmm. like they're having fertility issues because of how hard they've pushed their body for so long so it's not just about thinking like you know we need to have healthy hormones it's it's like we need healthy hormones just for general health like Mm. we need it for bone mineral density for muscle mass but also for reproduction like and if you're you know or if you're training let's say like a young female and they're like oh I don't care about my period or whatever Mm. I don't want to get pregnant it's like yeah but that's now you know like yeah like the the egg count you do have you're not even nourishing if you don't have enough estrogen and I learned that kind of the hard way is that uh, gymnastics first up like late menarche so late uh, first onset of like your menses you one you'll get taller because estrogen won't fuse your bones as much um, but you also probably have a shorter uh, fertile window um, because you don't have that estrogen younger or that onset and then again the longer you have a menorrhea you know you're not losing follicles but you're also not nourishing them with the amount of estrogen you need to support that as well so I guess shooting yourself in the foot would be being a young athlete who gets a period late and then also having periods of uh, secondary amenorrhea when you're older mm. um, you're really not nourishing that reproductive health um, which can make fertility and things obviously a lot harder um, and yeah like you said with bone even amenorrhea being quite uh, harsh on uh, your bone mineral density and predisposing you more to fractures and especially if it's in your pelvis your spine your hip that's that's not a light thing that's like if someone oh yeah you have to be immobilized if you have a, a pelvic fracture like yeah you, you can't be weight bearing yeah because you're just going to keep making it worse mm. and yeah like and there's such a quick <laughs> deterioration of elderly when they do something to their hip right so if you're oh, predisposing yourself to even further like onset of aging and less functionality as you age like obviously your quality of life is going to decrease as well i was just going to say as well not even just like the decreased estrogen but the decreased progesterone on your mental health mm. and your cognitive abilities as you age as well like <laughs> like your me- your memory your short-term memory and your you know if you suffer anxiety depression like i don't know if many people actually know the implications of Mm-mm. like the hormones on like the nervous system and your brain health and all those things. It's funny you were mentioning that. I was speaking on my walk uh, with Amanda today. I was like, you know, I was talking about ADHD medication and I'm not, I don't really take it unless I have like a big exam and stuff like that. But I know, and this is my research that I'm looking into now. I'm like, okay, but how does the menstrual cycle affect medication? Like, should I be taking more of like a serotonin upregulation in my luteal phase? And like, you know, just stuff like that. And I guess it's, we don't know because nobody studies women to the same depth as what we study men. Like we're more of an anomaly. So even things like that of like, okay, but how can we enhance female cognition and performance in uh, the luteal phase versus like the follicular phase? Um, and even from when you're saying cognitively impairment of like lack of progesterone and mood as well, imagine if you're spending your life in uh, feeling as though you have to diet, mm. you're like you're waking up and your mind is consumed with how much did I eat yesterday? Did I overeat my calories? Did I hit my steps? Like what's my weight today? And my mood being dependent on if I wake up and am I weighing at a healthy weight where I feel like I'm on target for whatever X body that I need to meet social norms, you know, like it's not Mm. a, it can be hormonal affecting cognition, but it can also be like your psychology 
around your body image and yourself and even food as well and that just diminishing the quality of life you could have yeah 100% I wanted to ask as well your thoughts on cutting and then bulking and then this constant cycle of like cutting bulking cutting bulking cutting bulking it's like Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Um, did I just are we going down a rabbit hole (laughs) no um I think like it doesn't really teach someone a balance or a healthy relationship with food not that you have a relationship like food doesn't really give a shit about you it's not like a (laughs) double relationship it's like you might have an obsession with food but I love food but food doesn't love me (laughs) yeah 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 which I do hear from people but I think one of the most underrated and I guess not sexy parts of nutrition is that you need to learn how to just be like how to have balance and how to fuel for performance in everyday life and look after your health not fueling and eating to hit a certain body fat percentage or to hit a certain strength amount just like what you actually need to do in order to optimize your health like your nutrient status mm. um, your satiety your hunger and learning that because if you don't have Uh, I guess an awareness of your satiety and hunger cues and you're going between bulking and cutting like how the hell are you meant to know yeah what your satiety is what your feeling of fullness is and what your body needs like from a base level 100% it's like you're you're letting this app or whatever you're tracking your food and tell you like how you feel mm-hmm. it's like oh I see a number 1500 here and it's like oh I'm hungry I'm so hungry or I see a number 3000 here it's like oh my god I'm so full mm-hmm. it's like well like actually how do you feel mm-hmm. like your body is the smartest and like your nervous system and all that is like the smartest thing that exists really like a phone and like a tracking app is not going to tell you how you feel like, no and it's using another um, it's definitely a tool mm. to help with, you know, if someone's obese and they don't know what's in certain foods and calories, how calories are made up and macronutrients, like it's a great tool to learn. But intermittently, like this constant, like cutting them bulking, they're cutting the bulking, like where's our set point? Mm-hmm. And even from like an extreme or rapid fat loss, like protocol or diet. I guess, and just the fat cell hyperplasia that occurs from that, especially more in women. And you're not Mm. going to actually restore your satiety or even, I guess, pre-fat loss fat cell size, which is going to regulate like your leptin and everything else until you restore your lean body mass, right? Now, we can't build lean body mass as quickly as what we can our fat cell mass. So if you are you've gone from like a dieting phase and all of a sudden you're bulking, right? And especially women being wanting women, female bodies wanting to store more fat. There is no way we can catch up our lean body mass that may have potentially been lost in a dieting phase Mm -hmm. as quickly as we can fat cell mass. So we're going to continue to want to overeat and we're going to continue to not have a restored like thyroid hormones or metabolic rate or even just um, our insulin and leptin levels just aren't going to come back to restoration until our lean body mass is up. And I don't know anyone who can build lean body mass at the same rate as their fat mass. Um, and I think just that that stage there is why we feel like one diet, I got a little bit fatter after. The second diet, I got even more fatter after. Like, you yeah. know, like it's, it's just a Because cycle. once you create a fat cell, it stays there, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's no – it just like empties and refills and it's quicker to refill – a fat cell than it is to create quicker to refill but also like because we're so uh the hyperplasia that happens isn't 
making the fat cells we currently have bigger. It's making lots of little fat cells, which are more insulin sensitive, which are going to want to drive more fat in. So every time, I guess you're in more of an aggressive dieting phase and you add calories back in, your body is going to want to monopolize on Mm. how many fat cells it has to kind of create or prevent a future um, lack of energy availability. Again, especially in a female body where we're made to procreate, Mm. not to look like an ornament on stage or the like you know so I think it's like that awareness and some bodies are predisposed more than others to I guess having a higher settling point in their body fat mass um, compared to others and you know some might call that a genetic bias but I think it's also the number of times that you yo-yo diet or and you can call that dieting bulking whatever you want to call it you're predisposing yourself to more fat cell gain and I guess an unhealthy relationship with food as well yeah. Sorry, team. We have really good mechanisms for storing fat, but not as good mechanisms for releasing fat when it comes to fat loss. No, like we, especially as females, like from a hormonal perspective, which we'll go through, I guess, in the upcoming course as well. It's like we're not that good at like losing fat. We're just not, but it's we're hard very for good us. at Yeah. So like if you're a female listening to this, like just know that. And if you're a male coach listening to this, know that training and nutrition for your female clients is not going to be the same exactly and even from a dieting perspective it's like leptin levels in females drop off so much more quickly Mm. um in females so they need more regular refeeds and diet breaks but like i said the depth um and how drastic a diet is on women is going to have worse i guess uh reactions consequences. or consequences versus yeah. a male so having regular diet breaks and refeeds for women is actually so much more important because our leptin levels are going to drop quicker and that sees a change in our thyroid hormones and our metabolic rate quicker than a male would so um, I think it's understanding that you cannot train a female especially nutritionally in the same way that you do a male um, which I guess is that new emerging science because a lot of sports science isn't covered in women it's covered in 18 to 22 year old college age men mm-hmm. yeah and that includes your macronutrient makeup as well yeah absolutely so um oh, there was something i was going to mention on that makeup but yeah i think the refeeds and diet breaks are important but learning balance and maybe especially a lot of time spending two-thirds of your life not dieting and you might peak your physique like a third of your lifetime but that's not where real life happens like that's not where you make career gains that's not where you live life and travel it's not where you're going to make like memories with your friends or eat out like it's just that's not going to happen if you spend most of your life in a dieting phase Mm, yeah I love that so much and it's like not necessarily like balance but there is going to be shifts between like I always say like there's always shifts between like your relationships your career your health are those like three big pillars Mm. in your life and there is never like a balance and so like my I have clients that are just like I didn't stick to my like nutrition this week but like I had a really good like study and work and Mm. and my relationships are going really well but I ate out on the weekend and I had alcohol and I feel shit and I was like but did you have a good time yeah Like, yeah, like you feel a little bit crappy like afterwards, but like next time you just like, you know, just to eat to your your satiety hot. But it changes the conversation, right? Or the narrative around it of being like, oh my God, my coach is going to be so mad at me because I overate. I don't care. Like, (laughs) I hope it was good. Like, that's all I hope. Like, I hope you enjoyed that meal. Like, I hope it was worth it. And I think as well as like, making it more like food is made for connection and sharing. So if you had a bigger meal, so you went over your calories or your macros or whatever it is, but you were with friends and it was a really important event or a family event, I do not care. But Mm. if you sat at home 
uh, and you just ate a bag of chips because you were sad and depressed and like, you know, you'd been restricting yourself throughout the week, like unbeknownst to me. Mm. And then you overconsumed that I have more of a conversation around of being like, okay, cool. Maybe you should speak with a mental health professional or psychologist and we need to look at your relationship with food versus someone who just was like, I had the best burger. Like, and mm. I didn't realize my friend was like, whatever, it was her birthday. Yeah. Um, you know, one burger is not going to make you fat. One salad is not going to yeah, make 365 you skinny. 365 days a year. <laughs> like, honestly, it's not going to matter. And like your body works on such a large scale, like a larger than a week, larger than a day. Yeah. Um, you know, and, you probably over the course of the week, if you did an extra couple of steps in over your fortnight or month, it's it's not even going to matter. Mm-hmm. Um, but when someone freaks out about that one event, that's when the stress hormones start to kick in. And that's when that kind of binge and restrict cycle kind of begins. I've been like, oh my God, I, I ate way too much. We're going to have to restrict. The more you restrict, the more likely you are to binge later on anyway. So um, I think that conversation just needs to change, especially like women in particular do not do well from a guilt perspective oh yeah um i think yeah just i was just uh, i was just gonna bring that up i was just gonna say like i think these days it's like a lot of comparison and it's like what you see on social media and all these types of things and it's like exposing yourself to more of these things so if, if someone's not making you feel good on social media like unfollow oh absolutely like it if is i have not- to see one more what i eat in a day with coffee to begin it is oh <laughs> shit it is not healthy and uh it isn't healthy mentally as well like everybody has a different story everybody has a different journey and focusing on your journey and, and being in the the most optimal health that you can be at whatever like I don't say whatever weight because like there are weights that aren't healthy but mm-hmm. you know where your body likes to sit like what that set point is like if you're moving if you're you know nourishing your body and and doing all that like you don't have to be dick skin lean I know you've yeah. said that you've I said love, that I love that's my favorite term yeah but I think it's like reverse engineering it. It's not where your body likes to sit. It's where your life likes to sit. Mm, if your yeah. lifestyle is like, I want to eat out on the weekends. I don't mind eating boring, boring during the weeks. Or And I also want to feel as though I can go to my, I don't know, my aunties and my grandma's house who make this big food and I want to be able to enjoy it. Then, yeah, you're probably not going to be year-round dick skin thin <laughs> lean. You're going to be somewhere like lean moderate you know I guess allowing the life you want to lead whether it be scholastic whether it be like that you're career-based whether it be you have drinks on a Friday like Mm -hmm. you're a social kind of like eater that you get to define what your body looks like from your the lifestyle you want not allowing I guess the body you want to define what you are because if there's a misalignment so even for me when I was like my leanest and I was saying uh to Amanda today like I had so much restriction in my 20s I didn't live life properly um and I guess I'm just so much a happier person if I can go out (laughs) on the weekend for dinner and I feel like my true self comes back without having the restriction but it is kind of like a dopamine hit at that point in time of being oh you can't train as hard as me like yeah I have more self-control like those people who go out and drink like you don't know the difference like Mm. for example like throwing shade at when my younger me would have been like oh you're having a cocktail that's so many like unnecessary like empty calories or like Mm. versus I'm like I'm just gonna have my tequila and like you know get by or not drink um but that wasn't what I like like what I like is being social and sharing food in company and I like being fit and healthy but I allow the life I like to leave with a balance between the two to define what my body looks like now versus trying to control my body which is going to be incongruent with I guess my happiest me mm. so on that note 
cocktails tonight? Absolutely. <laughs> no, we're, dead, we're totally going out for dinner after this anyway. But um, just going back to the guilt thing that you were talking about as well, like I think compassion is huge and, mm-hmm. and that's something that women need to learn a lot because I don't know – I mean, I kind of do know where it comes from, like this idea of like we have to be a certain way, or we have mm. to look a certain way to be accepted or to be loved or to be worthy. Did you wo- see my reel? No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where it came from. Oh, no, I always see your reels. I think I do. <laughs> I'm your top favorite. <laughs> I'm your top favorite. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they always come up. Um, I, but I, don't, I don't know which reel you're talking about. But oh, I was about what we say about women's bodies that we wouldn't say about male. Is this the one where you were doing the, oh, no. the wiping? Uh, the, she's, I saw that one. She's showing me something on her hands. I don't know. Maybe no, we're just the, on the same wavelength here. The one of like you can say about a female like she let herself go or you can say like men like a woman with curves but you would never say it to a male. Like, But at the same time you say no fat chicks or um, – what was the other ones? I'll find it for you. Okay. Um, but yeah, the amount of things we say about female bodies that we wouldn't say about males. So, you know, that they, I can't believe she's wearing that. She leaves nothing to the imagination. Oh, uh, yeah. So when would you ever say to a male like, oh my God, I can't believe you're leaving that. Did your boy, did your girlfriend let you out of the house like that? <laughs> You'd leave it nothing to the imagination. Or even just like saying to a man like, wow, you really let yourself go. Like no one would say that. Um, or, you know, even just little things like, you wouldn't say to a guy like your body looks great what diet are you on and it's just that conditioning I guess of social norms um or drop that baby weight you know like it's just sexist marketing but it plays into like I guess that fear of women of not being accepted as well yeah I feel like we have covered so much in this one podcast and I didn't even do an introduction. So I'm going to end off with an introduction of Amy. I just pressed record because you started talking and I was like, oh, this is gold. Like You always like, catch me. I know. So you're probably like ready for it now. Oh, no. Because so, I was like, oh, what do you want to talk about? Like, do you want to talk about uh, what do you want to talk about on this podcast? And then you just started talking and I was like, okay, I'm just going to hit play and she's just going to start talking. I'm going to start the conversation, which you're used to what? I do when I just started but um, if you don't recognize this voice she's been on the podcast quite a few times her name is Amy Needon she is a nutritionist and an online coach yeah yeah you're you're purely online now Um, and we have something super exciting in the works for AWPT so we have collaborated and we are creating a female specific nutrition course so we covered a lot, of, a whole lot of different topics in this one podcast, which we will dive deeper into over. We're going to do a series together of podcasts um, that are going to cover the specific things that we're going to be talking about in this 12 week course that's coming up. So if you are interested, let us know, give us your email and we will keep you updated with when the course is being released. We're looking at a end of September start date. And it is going to be completely live with Amy. She is a wealth of knowledge. She's going to be taking us through everything female specific. As you can already hear, she knows so much about this. She's researched it thoroughly and it's going to be absolutely incredible. And I am so excited for it. She's been working on it for months. (laughs) She's been working so hard on it for months. And this is going to be an industry first. I do not know of another No, I've never seen a female-specific nutrition course. And considering we make up 51% of the population, you think they would be. Like, obviously, men have testosterone, which might slope over years, but they do not have a menstrual cycle affecting our energy utilization, our training, um, and even, I guess, our neuro 
neural setup as well. So yeah, super excited. Yeah, can't wait. And um, so follow her at Coach Needham Fit. N double E D M F I T. Correct. Yes. Um, if you if you're not already following her for some amazing, hilarious, entertaining reels, but also a lot of valuable nutrition information as well. And we will be back next time with uh, actually you know what send us a dm let us know what else you want to hear specifically on this podcast yeah as well and it will also give us a bit of an idea of what we what you guys want to see actually in the course as well if there's any specific things but it is covering everything like we've got menstrual cycle we've got gut health we've got thyroid what else uh, performance our energy utilization our training i guess how to optimal get fat loss in women like for sustainable fat loss as well um and building strength um food psychology part of it libido like there's so many aspects to women we're multifaceted creatures and i really wanted to cover that in this course and give you guys some tools i guess of what you can take away because i know that a majority of the coaching clients that coaches are going to get are going to be women so why not have a course which covers that in full detail yeah so if there's anything specific you want us to cover send or if you have any questions for amy as well about your own specific nutrition send her a dm at coach need and fit you can also send a dm to either kaylee physio or awpt underscore university for what you would like to see in the course Absolutely. And, and, in the, on, and on the podcast. Yes. And now we're going to go get cocktails. Thanks. <laughs> and food. <laughs> All the food.